Today's podcast is sponsored by the guys of Bird Campbell Law Firm, your Duke-centric law firm. Lawyers by vocation, but Duke grads by the grace of God. Founders and former Duke roommates Jamie Campbell and Tucker Bird say, go Duke or go home. Hey there, Duke fans. We are putting this podcast together less than an hour after a very frustrating, very disappointing game for the Blue Devils. We played the UNC Tar Heels down in Chapel Hill, and we lost 82-78. to 78. Uh, You all know what happened. We're going to keep this one kind of quick, I think, as we recap what we saw, what we felt about it, this uh, emergency podcast that comes to you in the wake of the of the Duke loss to UNC. Um, Sam Klein can't be with us right now, but Donald Wine, Donald, you were here. You're in Washington, D.C. I'm guessing you just watched the game. Where where'd you watch it, buddy? Yeah, I was watching at the uh, the Duke, D.C. Uh, watch party. A lot of people there, about 300 people there, um, but everybody went home kind of angry, and I'm kind of angry. Uh, yeah, angry. I can relate to that. Um, Duke scores 49 points in the first half, only 29 points in the second half. They lose to UNC 82 to 78. Donald, um, I, you know, we haven't prepared anything in terms of what topics we're covering or anything like that. So just what, give me some impressions. Who played well? Who played poorly? What happened? How did we lose this game? Okay, I'll start with the stat of the night. All right. So in the first half, I thought we played pretty well. You know, it, it was a back and forth game. It was a Duke UNC game, right? It's it's one of those games that is going to be back and forth. It's going to be ebbs and flows. We had a great run, but in the end, I want to look at one stat. In the first half, we out rebounded, uh, offensive rebounded. We out out offensive rebounded UNC seven to five. Okay, that's a pretty good stat. In the second half, if if you look at the total game, we had eleven total offensive rebounds. I mean, we had four in the second half. UNC had 15. What's your favorite stat, Jason? Field goal attempts. We how lost many, by 15. How many, how many field goal attempts did UNC have? 77. And how many did Duke have? 62. Yeah. Which is a difference it's of? 15. There you go. There's your stat. The yeah. second half is just straight up. It, it's about heart. And there were times in the second half where we just let them beat us. You can't have a second half where in any game, much less the UNC game, where you let a team get 15 offensive rebounds. We don't let sometimes we don't let guys get 15 offensive rebounds in an entire game. We got we let them have it in the second half. And it was because they were just hustling to every single loose ball. Every single shot that went up in the air and it got rebounded. They were able to tip it out to somebody else. They were they were hustling to the ball. We were not doing that in the second you half. Know, we were know, doing that great in the first half, but we just did not do that in the second half. Donald, I, I, I hearken back. It was just a couple of days ago when we did the preview for this game. And when I was doing the preview of the UNC defense, I said, this is a great rebounding team. Mm-hmm. And that they are a great defensive rebounding team. And then Sam previewed their offense. He said, they're a great offensive rebounding team. We talked about rebounds. And then you came in, and it was your turn to do the intangibles. And you said, loose balls, effort. These are things that Duke cannot let Carolina beat them at. The story of this game was, like you just said, they got the loose balls. They showed the effort. They got the rebounds. They won the rebounding battle 44-38. to 38. When Duke gets out-rebounded, Duke loses. It, it 
came down to effort. It came down to heart. And that is what's really disappointing about this game. And by the way, we have now played consecutive games. This game, the St. John's game, where we had the lead at halftime. We come into the locker room at halftime and Duke is in the lead. And we come out the second half flat. We let the other team, who is the home team, on their home floor, we let them get emotional. We let them get excited. We let them start playing their game. And we just play flat for eight to 10 minutes. And we get blown out of the gym for the first eight to 10 minutes of the second half. Yep, How can absolutely. we not learn from our mistakes? This It's a carbon copy of the St. John's game. How can we not learn from our mistakes? And you know what? Like, there's there's a lot of stats we can pick out, right? Like, for example, we're talking about rebounding and how we weren't good on the glass. I'll tell you one guy who was good on the glass. His name was Marvin Bagley III. He was very good on the glass, especially in the first six, seven minutes of the game. It seemed like every single rebound on offense or defense was his. And I loved that about his game. He He didn't have the best game offensively. He ended up with 15 points. But defensively, you know, he was great. I thought he was, you know, very smooth. And one thing I liked about him is that he was one of the guys who kind of played with poise. Seemed like at times a lot of our guys did not play with poise. And and you're Grayson probably Allen, at us, by the way, Grayson there, Allen did not play with poise. Right. But I, here's the thing. I, I was if shocked. You looked, if you looked at this game, and you looked at the stat sheets right now, if you look at the box score, you're gonna say that we're we're we saw a different game because on off uh on turnovers. We had eight turnovers, which is pretty low. That's for, a great number. Eight's that's a great good. number. You keep it under 10. That's I'm Carolina okay had that. two. Carolina only had two turnovers. Yes, and they were both Wilkinson turnovers in the first half. They didn't turn the ball over in the second half at all. Like it, every single time the ball came down, they basically were able to shoot and shoot and shoot and keep shooting until they got the basket. And that is what you cannot have in any game much especially a Duke-UNC game, because that momentum is what carried them in the second half. The fact that they knew that they could take whatever shot they wanted, and no matter what, they'd either it'd either go in or they'd get the rebound and they'd put it back in. And I'll, I'll tell you another thing. We talk about perimeter defense. This was the first time, I want to say, they, they said this that, I want to say it was the first time in 15 games at UNC that UNC hit 11 more than 10 threes in a ball game. And it really, if you think about it, you look at the stat sheet and Kenny Williams had six of 12. But if you watch that game, it seemed like every time they shot a three, it went in. And it was weird because it wasn't Other that than Joel, was Barry. Joel Barry struggled from the, the, from the outside, but he yeah, struggled, but like he hit one and you're like, Oh my God, like Joel Barry again, because at the, there was a certain point where everything was going in. Or if it wasn't going in, they were just rebounding it and putting it back in. And so, like, they just did not get a stop. And that momentum, that that intensity that we talked about before this game, it just wasn't there for the first, you know, for eight to ten minutes of the second half. And at that point, it was too late. They they had the momentum, they had the they had the will, they had the tenacity, and that's what that's what beat us. Uh, so I want to talk just for a moment uh, about a couple of the good things that I saw. And the good things that I saw both came off the bench. Mm -hmm. uh, Marquise Bolden probably had, he may have had his best game in a Duke uniform. I agree. Um, certainly came close to it. Uh, he, uh, he was incredibly active on the inside. He only had two rebounds. And, uh, you know, 
it's sort of funny. I look at the box score and I'm like, God, how did he only have two rebounds? It it felt like he had more. He only had one block shot. It felt like he had more. He was very active on the inside. He was a presence in the middle. He 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 finished really nicely. You know, he had four or four field goals. We had eight points um, in only 17 minutes. I thought Bolden played very very well. And look, it's been a you know, it's been a, a month, month and a half since we really saw much of Bolden because he's been hurt. To have him playing at this level off the bench, I think is a very big deal for Coach K to give him 17 minutes in a game like this is a very big deal. And then Alex O'Connell um, had another really nice game. Uh, he has 11 points, three of five from the perimeter, um, the most three-pointers of anybody on the Duke team. And, uh, I, you know, he was getting after, getting some rebounds and the such. Um, I also thought... O'Connell's defense, O'Connell's ability to recover, um, to to use his length on defense was superior to what we saw from either Duval or Trent, both of whom I thought struggled a lot on defense. Didn't, you know, it felt to me like neither one of them were guarding anybody a lot of the time they were out there. Mm -hmm. um, and and I thought O'Connell was just a, a big step up from those guys. He got 18 minutes. So literally Alex O'Connell did not play a single second against St. John's. Now, I've speculated, I think a lot of people speculated that he was recovering from the flu um, and that that may have been why he didn't play. But for him to not play at all against St. John's, and here we are four days later, he's playing 18 minutes against UNC. It shows me that Coach K has tremendous confidence in Bolden and O'Connell. They both rewarded that confidence with good play. I think we're going to see more and more of them going forward. And, you know, I really wonder, uh, Trevon Duval, he only got 20 minutes this game. He had he had an atrocious turnover late in the game. He missed a wide, he missed three wide open three pointers, but he missed a really wide open three pointer when Duke desperately needed a basket with you know about four or five minutes left in the game. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm wondering, you know, is if Duval's going to get more than 20, 25 maybe minutes or so going forward, especially for playing O'Connell. I was I was talking with uh, you know during the game during these games I'm texting with. Uh, uh, you know, a group of my my best buddies from from when I was in college, and then a couple of buddies from college that I, I see in DC now, and we're all texting during the game. And and my good group of friends is like, "Have we hit the freshman wall? Have these guys hit a freshman wall?" And the consensus was, not only have we hit the wall, the wall is hitting back, and it's not necessarily prevalent in the sense that, like, you know, I mean, Bagley's numbers are slightly down. Wendell Carter's numbers are slightly down. Gary Trent didn't have a great game, but he still had 16 points. So again, slightly down from what we've seen from him over the last couple of weeks. It's one of those things where at there, there's a couple of things that I'm noticing. One, they're taking the the decisions that they're making are have, have diminished significantly. You know, we're making bad decisions with ball, and, and it, it doesn't necessarily result in turnover, as you can see in the box score but it results in a bad shot. It results in a bad uh, bad pass that leads to a bad shot or that leads to a foul or something like that. But the other thing is that just the, the team that we saw in November was a team that said, hey, we're down 16. We don't care. We're going to come back and win. We're down 18 points. We don't care. We're down 12 points with two minutes left. We don't care. We're coming back and we're winning. That team that tenacity, that just not quitting attitude that we saw in November and December, that has hit a significant wall. And that wall, and that's the wall really that's beating us back. Because when we were down maybe 10 points with about five minutes left, 
some of these guys started rushing. They started taking bad shots. They started making poor decisions with the basketball. And that hurts when you are desperate for, for quality possessions. We weren't getting them down the stretch. So I, I do want to take a brief moment. We haven't really said the name even of uh, other than Kenny Williams and Cam Johnson. We haven't said very much about the Carolina guys. Uh, I, I do want to take a moment, tip the cap to the very, very experienced team that Carolina put out on the floor for the vast, vast, vast majority of that game. Theo Pinson is a senior. Joel Berry is a senior. Um, Cam Johnson is a junior, but he's in his um, – uh, but fourth he's in his year. fourth year because he 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 took a year he redshirted for a year. Kenny Williams and Luke May are both juniors, so they are putting essentially three seniors, two juniors out there on the floor for the vast majority of that game. And those guys played hard the whole time. And I especially want to talk about Theo Pinson, who, man, what a warrior! You know, I mean, as Duke fans, we're not supposed to be able to like Carolina players. How can you not like the effort that Theo Pinson put out there? He was guarding. Marvin Bagley, pretty much that whole game, frustrated him a lot. Uh, you know, there were at least a half dozen plays where it seemed like Pinson was guarding three guys at the same time. He was everywhere. And defense is where Carolina won this. Duke only scored 78 points after having 49 at halftime. We only scored 29 points in the second half. And, and that was because Carolina played tough defense, forced us into tough shots, and then they got all the rebounds. And so... Uh, I just wanted to take a moment, tip the cap to those seniors and juniors for Carolina who worked their butts off and deserved this victory. And you know what? Like that sort of thing, that that counts. You know, like when you're talking about you had what three or I'm sorry, two seniors and three juniors. Yeah. So combined one, one redshirt junior. Yeah. So, one redshirt junior. so so if you think about it, this was their set, you know, for the seniors, this was their seventh Duke UNC, eighth Duke UNC game in total at least eight for yeah. the juniors it's at least seven for four of our starters it was their first so that sort of experience is what you need to overcome and in that's not to say that our freshmen aren't good enough to overcome that i thought they were and they were playing like that in the first half they were playing like this was their this was their seventh duke unc game that they had played in games like this before but what unc did in the second half is they settled down and they relied on their experience, and we re regressed back to our inexperience. And I think that was really the difference. So, uh, Donald, I, I want to. Uh, we're going to wrap up um, pretty quickly here. Uh, Duke has a game this weekend um, at Georgia Tech. Uh, it is yet another road game, and we really, really need to find a way to bring the intensity on the road. It's it's not easy to do, um, but you know, that's the only way we're going to become a simple team. That's the only way this team's going to achieve the goals that they have is to be intense for 40 minutes. And we haven't been that so far. By the way, folks, I'm going to get to go to that Georgia Tech game. Um, thanks to the DBR podcast, I have obtained a press pass. And so I'll be sitting in press row for that Georgia Tech game. And and I hope to bring you all some some commentary from the, uh, from the Duke players, from the locker room, um, from coaches and the such after that game. But, uh, Donald, before we go, I wanted to ask you, uh, should we do a player of the game? Who is your player of the game for the Duke Blue Devils? Uh, if I'm going to do a player of the game, it's going to be Marvin Bagley III. I think he – the one thing we've been talking about that was missing for a lot of the game was intensity. But I think for a lot of the game, that's what he had. Uh, and especially on the defensive end, 
while he might have been shaky and kind of frustrated a little bit on offense, he didn't let that get to him. He got a lot of offensive rebounds. He got a lot of defensive rebounds. And he had a lot of putbacks and dunks. So I, I will go with him as my player of the game. Yeah, by the way, he also had four assists and two blocked shots. Bagley really filled it up. Uh, my player of the game, I'm going with Bolden, uh, Marquise Bolden, who uh, you talk about intensity. I thought every single second of his 17 minutes, he was engaged. He was fighting, um, playing his hardest. And, uh, and, and as we said earlier, I thought it was his best game in a Duke uniform. Absolutely a great choice. And if I may add one more thing about what we what I want to see on Sunday very briefly. The one thing I want to see, and this is kind of something that I I I was thinking about on the way home from the from the watch party. Here's what I want to see, and it's it's very unconventional for a Duke team. I want those guys in that locker room to shut everything out. And I'm talking everything. I'm even talking about us. And I want them to focus on the 15 guys that are on that team and the camaraderie that what they've been through from last summer until now and really come together. And and this is not to say that they're, they're falling apart at the seams and there's any turmoil or anything. I'm not suggesting that at all. I quite the opposite. These guys love each other, but I want these guys to really focus in on themselves because when they do that and they get back to the basics of what, this team can be they're going to be something they still can be something special and i think they just need to re it, to refocus on that and i want to see them do that against georgia tech because it, very simply without without looking at what georgia tech can do without looking at what we can do if they can refocus on themselves and focus on how they play together and how they play as a unit they're going to beat any team that they face from here on out and I think they, I want to want them to start that with Georgia Tech. And if that means shutting everything out and just saying we're playing for just the guys in this locker room, I will, I will be okay with that because I think if they do that, we can get back on track. We still got a lot of season left and it's going to start on Sunday. Next play. Last thing I want to add and then we'll go. I want to read you the first few words of espn's write-up on the game because i think it tells an important story and i want our guys to take this to heart and listen to it it says duke might have the future nba lottery picks but north carolina had the heart and the hustle we need to bring heart and hustle back into these games that's going to be the only way that this team becomes what they what they have the potential to become and if they continue to allow teams to out-heart them and out-hustle them, they will continue to lose basketball games. And you never want that written about you. You never want that to be your, your obituary, essentially, on a season, is that the other team had the heart. The other team had the hustle. That's not Duke basketball, and we need to refocus on that. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us here on DBR podcast number 105. Unfortunately, one where the Duke Blue Devils lost to the UNC Tar Heels. But we will be back this weekend after the Georgia Tech game. Um, Donald, thanks so much for joining me on this uh, quick emergency podcast. Thank you very much, sir. And we'll see you Sunday. Yep, um, I will. Uh, we'll be back on Sunday um, uh, and I will be attending the Duke, UN, the Duke Georgia Tech game. So I'm looking forward to that. For Donald Wine, I am Jason Evans and the absent Sam Klein. Sam, we missed you here, buddy. And we now turn it over to the Duke Band. Duke Band, take us home.